You don't have any Stephen King. You've got the shoe. You mean shiny. Shh. Wanna get sued? It's just your fate. You're that geeky Stephen King kid. There's one of you in every school. Okay, that's him, that's him, that's Kujo, that's Kujo. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something, something. Oh, crazy. Don't mind if I do. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King, hosted by two lifelong constant readers. We do a non-spoiler and we do non-spoiler and spoiler reviews of King's published work and take a critical look at his film and television adaptations as well. We also discuss the latest King news and check in with each other on our ongoing King obsessions. It's the podcast where all things serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com. You can also like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash tower junkies pod and follow us on twitter and every other level of social media at tower junkies pod and if you'd like to support what we do here you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for a ridiculous amount of bonus audio content spread across all of obsessiveviewer.com's various podcasts i've said this in numerous episodes in the past but i am 17 weeks in to a weekly uh sunday uh, excursion through the work of Stephen King as it pertains to Holly Gibney in the in, in anticipation of his new novel Holly, which comes out next week on Patreon. I've been doing weekly installments covering the uh, covering Mr. Mercedes, Finders Keepers, End of Watch, The Outsider, and If It Bleeds. And now and then and then now that Holly is almost upon us, I'll be doing the same thing with that. It's a uh, hundred or so page installments of read-along reviews um, that I talk about it in part. So check that out, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Tons of stuff there. So I am one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and today we have a very special episode of the show. Uh, So as I said, next week, not only is King's latest novel, Holly, releasing, we are also seeing the release of a new documentary all about Stephen King's film and television adaptations, King on Screen. Uh, This documentary is a blast and such a nice love letter to Stephen King fans and just people who love that uh, that kind of the relationship between art artist and adapter um, of art. It is it is a a very engrossing and well done documentary. Um, it is going to be releasing on VOD and Blu-ray uh, next week on September eighth, and I had the extreme pleasure tonight to welcome to the show and uh, an interview King on Screen producer Sebastian B. Cruz to talk all things King on Screen. We just finished uh, recording, and I had a gr- a blast chatting with him about uh, what went into making the documentary. The the uh, the entire production side of it, how the uh, how the interviews came about, um, what they were looking for in the interviews, and and what they did with all of all of the material. It is a it is a fantastic uh, conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm going to play it here in a moment. 
But I just want to say thank you to Sebastian for being so gracious with his time and uh, and allowing me to uh, chat with him about the documentary and about Stephen King and about, you know, independent film as well. It is a very great, great um, conversation. I have links in the show notes of this episode uh, to all of all of their work, all of all of his work, and and uh, where you can find King on screen um, and his production company uh, as well. So check the show notes and everything. And um, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to my interview with Sebastian Cruz, um, producer on King on Screen. So here we go. Enjoy the show. Everybody who hasn't read a Stephen King book has still seen a Stephen King movie. It all started with Carrie. Seeing her burn everything down at the end. You're watching it, it's thrilling. Creep Show had a massive impact. It completely traumatized me. Aren't you going to say hello? Pet Cemetery is a great movie. Misery is one of my favorites. Stephen King writes human beings, and then he puts them in phantasmagorical situations. All right. Hi, guys. I am here tonight with a special episode of the podcast. Um, uh, here coming soon, we have not only uh, King's latest novel, Holly, releasing next week, but we also have a new documentary all about Stephen King's film and television adaptations. King on Screen will be released on VOD and Blu-ray on September 8th. And I have the extreme pleasure to welcome to the show uh, King on Screen producer Sebastian uh, B. Cruz to talk all things King on Screen. So welcome to the show, Sebastian, and thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak to us here on Tower Junkies. And uh, and congratulations on the film. Uh, I've been really looking forward to this, and I got a chance to see it a couple couple of nights ago, and it's it's fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, thank thank you for having me. I'm I'm happy to hear you you like the film. Yeah, of course. Uh, as a just diehard Stephen King fan, it's like, like I'm I'm gonna get ahead of myself a little bit, but uh, there is something that I'm I'm not going to go into too much detail about it. But the way that you guys begin the documentary, that framing device, was like such a palpable love letter to the Stephen King fandom. Like the amount of Easter eggs and references and all of these little, little tiny things uh, that just jump out to people who are aware of Stephen King is just a delight. So I was, I was not prepared for that. And I just thought that that was lovely. So yeah, just. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. In fact, yeah, um, there, are more line, there, there are more than 300 references in this short sequence. So it's, it's, it's a really great you know, condense of everything. Uh, but also we wanted to have something that is for the fans, you know, because all of those references, but also kind of an introduction to Stephen King filmic universe, you know, by also using references in the framing of the shots and in the um, in the environments and, and everything. We shot in Maine, by the way. Nice. Um, so everything participate to that. And also it was some kind of a metaphor, you know, of the director entering Stephen King universe. So it had different uh, element to it, you know. Uh, it wasn't just make a fictional sequence for no reason. You know, it was a bit more intellectual than that and conceptual than that. Mm -hmm. And it stays for me 
um, a documentary approach, you know, because we use so much um, content from other other um, films, and mm-hmm. even the actors who, appar- who appear in the in in the the sequence uh, all are from the the Stephen King universe. Like we have uh, Miko Yu, who were who were um, um, Gage in Pet Cemetery. Mm. Uh, like uh, we we have uh, uh, Amy Irving from uh, from Carrie, and, mm-hmm. and you know uh, Alexandra Paul for from Christine. So yeah, you know uh, it was also this concept that we wanted to push very very far. Nice. Well, it blew me away, and just like three hundred mm-hmm. over three hundred references to Stephen King on, and there is an achievement unto itself. Um, One that just jumped out to me because I had just recently read for the first time, If It Bleeds, was the banner that said uh, uh, Chuck Krantz, uh, 39 great years. Thanks, Chuck. Like that, that novella, like just burrowed itself into my soul when I read it. And then to see that banner on like in, in like on the film. And obviously I know that um, Mike Flanagan is attached to, to adapt it and, and like knowing that he was a talking head and in the documentary, of course, it just like, it just filled me with so much joy. So uh, I just wanted to point that out and just how much I kind of geeked out over that. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, there, there is also this, uh, what we wanted also to do was to make people buy the Blu-ray and just pay and pose every every shot, you know, and just try mm-hmm. to dissect everything, you know. Like it it was also a bit of uh, of the the fan geeky mm-hmm. kind of uh, way of thinking that, you know. Um, but anyway, you know, you know, Daphne, the director, she 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 tried to find a, a reference in each book or novel or any mm-hmm. work. Stephen King has published, you know, um, but uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, it, it, it's also trying to, to uh, yeah, uh, excite geeks and nerds, you know, just people who just play and pause every shot. Yep. And uh, in the Blu-ray, by the way, there will be, uh, I, I don't know in which version, but there will be also a comment of me, uh, like playing and pause the, the introduction. I don't every mm-hmm. uh, Easter egg, but I just play and pause and, and talk about how it happened. Also, you know, th- about the shooting and everything. Oh, so this that's is something fantastic. I, I recorded recently. Nice. Yeah. So oh, it's, that's it's awesome. It's like 25 minutes to, to talk about the, the seven minutes um, introduction, you know, that, so with stories, behind the scenes stories and everything. That has me incredibly excited. That That's freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it kind of reminded me a bit about, uh, of, um, Castle Rock, the Hulu show. It just kind of had that kind of vibe to it where it's just throwing all of these references. It's just, it's, and, and we at Tower Junkies adored Castle Rock, obviously. And like, it was just, it was so great because like throughout it, I'm sitting there like, this is like season three of Castle Rock. This is like the, the season three we never got is in this, is in this intro to this documentary. It's incredible. Um, yeah, maybe in some uh, way. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> uh, to kind of walk, to kind of like get, get back into, uh, back into it and everything. 
can you tell me just kind of how the project came about and uh, basically what what the genesis of it was and everything? For those listening, obviously, King on Screen is a documentary about the um, the film and television adaptations of Stephen King. And I think that that's something that is important to highlight because there are a lot of people who aren't King readers per se, but but there are people that know Stephen King as a brand, as who he is and, and his his cultural footprint and everything. And for a lot of people that are Stephen King readers, their introduction was seeing like the it miniseries in the 90s when uh he had friends stay in the night and then terrified of the of the spider and still terrified of spiders to this day and hosting a podcast as well um but uh but yeah but how did how did the project come about and and what was kind of the genesis of it and everything yeah um you know it's been a while uh Mm -hmm. since daphne the director which one i i work like it's been ten years. We we worked together nice. in different documentaries and and and, and fictional uh, short films mainly. And she told me, I really want to do a documentary about Stephen King." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, but you you need to to find the right angle, you know, because mm-hmm. like there are documentaries about Stephen King. Uh, what do you want to to, to say?" And and also, uh, she and I, when we do a portrait or or something about about subject, and especially in cinema, you know. Uh, we try to not focus too much on the personal lives of, of the personalities, you know, because it's, we want to look at them for what they bring to the world, you know? Um, so that, that was also my point. Like, what do you want to tell with this film? You know? Mm-hmm. And one day she came to me and she said, okay, I know what I want to do with the, the, the Stephen King documentary. I want to interview the directors who adapted Stephen King's stories because, like you said, most of most of the fans they discovered Stephen King by the movies, mm-hmm. and Stephen King is n- nothing without the movies. Like without without the big success of Carrie, maybe they wouldn't be a Stephen King today. So without yeah. the success the successes of the films, um, Stephen King couldn't have been as prolific, you know. Um, so of course he is a very talented author, author and yeah. what what we were wondering is why it is that he is the one who fascinates the most Hollywood because he is the most adapted author, living author in the world. So this is like in the world, at least in the Occidental world that we know, you know. Yeah. I don't know about Indians and, and, and everything. Like mm-hmm. they are, they have a very rich cinema as well, but. You know, I mean, for from the the cinema we are used to, he is the most the most adapted, yeah. and yeah, um, what why? And it was the, the 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 thing, you know, why is he the most adapted author? And um, we sent a few emails, you know, first because of course these concepts would work only if directors would accept. To participate, you know. Yeah. And uh, we we wrote uh, we wrote uh, like ten emails, and like a few days later, we had ten yes, almost, you know. Uh, so That's... a couple of days later, we we were like, okay, it's it's on. We will <laughs> we will be doing that, and that was in uh, December of 2019. Oh wow! So by by February of 2019, we had planned 
um, a trip to the US uh, mm-hmm. and we had um, meetings with uh, Frank Laura Burns, Taylor Ackford, and, and others, you know. And um, we bought the, the tickets on the 18th of February, 2020. Mm. The night, uh, just after we bought our tickets, Trump closed the borders. <sighs> and at first we were like, yeah, we, we're leaving in a month, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like everybody else, we, we thought it would be just a matter of a couple of weeks, and yeah. it wasn't. So it was all delayed, and we had to wait uh, more than a year to be able to come and shoot, shoot the interviews, uh, and so and so that's why also the the project took that much time, but also it allowed to you know dig a little bit deeper certain things and certain concepts, and especially this intro, you know, mm-hmm. that we wanted to do, but didn't want uh, didn't knew didn't know at the time exactly what we will we will be doing. And um, and yeah, so it, it allowed us to uh, gather some foundings and to and yeah to try to do our best with this movie. That is that is excellent. Like I I want to just highlight how like you can definitely show you can definitely see the amount of work that went into it, both in that intro and in the interviews and everything. Like to know that there was such a massive setback with obviously with COVID and everything. And then you guys still like went back to it when, when you were able to, and then were able to do it is, is really impressive because it really shows, um, especially when there are like, there are little bits and pieces that are, are really, uh, they dive into the, the deeper level of what it is to create an, and adapt a Stephen King uh, property and just the idea of adaptation as well but it kind of also all all goes back to like you were talking about that first that first adaptation Carrie and how that that was such a a a big thing for King because it became it it just became this big thing and then that allowed him to be uh, become a household name it's just uh it's it's really uh, really impressive really incredible and the amount of people that you guys interviewed is kind of staggering, astounding. Um, there are there are interviews with uh, with Mike Flanagan, Frank Darabont, uh, um, uh, 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 Mick Garris, and and um, it, so many people. Josh Boone, I, I could name so many, but it's it's great how each person kind of has their own they're they're coming at it from another from from their own specific kind of experience with the work and everything like i've long said that mike flanagan has this just this in this incredible eye for king's material as someone who like reads the material and knows it and has grown up with it and so to hear him talk about how like he like he read it when he was a kid and that just started a love affair with Stephen King's work and everything I was just like yeah I know <laughs> like it's so great um yeah yeah uh, yeah I mean you know uh, having all those those people is very interesting because of of several things but one of the main thing is they are from different generations so if you take Tom Holland or Mike Flanagan, you know, 
uh, you have two generations of, of filmmakers between them, you know. Yeah. And um and in the and in the middle you will find like uh, uh, Fraser Eston and and Frank Darabont and uh, like Mick Garris is somewhere around as well, maybe mm-hmm. in between the two, in between Holland and, and Darabont. And yeah. and you you discover that. Uh, King does not just fascinate a generation of people. He's some kind of timeless, you know? And that's something we try to to also assess in the in the film, you know? Why is he so timeless? Uh, what what does this work do to us, you know, as readers or or audience or filmmakers um, to be so so true whatever the period you are in, you know? And and um, and that that's something that really much interested us because like having those different people from different generation and different backgrounds, um, we wanted to adapt him. Um, that that was pretty pretty cool, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you don't have the same perspective when you are um, Tom Holland who discovered Carrie as an adult mm-hmm. in cinema. Or, or shining, or, or whatever you know, uh, than you are when you grew up with the eight miniseries, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that that that's not the same profile. And and the, the people who read Stephen King, like some filmmakers, are big readers. Some mm-hmm. others are not as big readers. Uh, but the the big readers, they are also like they have a, a relationship to 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 King, like you said, like Mike Flanagan. You mm-hmm. you can you can tell. And George Boone, you can tell they read, you know, the books. Oh yeah. Uh, And it it doesn't like withdraw anything to the others, you know. It's just like uh, all those different perspectives on one subject with all the topics that we try to bring together in this documentary is very interesting because like each people will see different things from different angles and just, yeah, you know. And uh, yeah, we we had 27 directors in total in the film. So and and most of them we interviewed for at least one hour. So we uh-huh. we have some something between 30 and 40 hours of interviews. Wow. So what do you do with that? You know? <laughs> right. That, that was the <laughs> that was the, the great question. Yeah. So you know, in the end, like thinking, what the right path uh, for the story in the in the documentary. How do you organize things? We couldn't just do a list of films, you know. We right. couldn't just do uh, uh, 76, carry 79, Salem Slot, 80, Shining, etc., etc. It wouldn't have been possible. It, it mm-hmm. would have been. It, it would have taken like so long. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't have. It, it could. It could be possible. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, but we wouldn't do it with directors mm-hmm. because. Directors, you want some nuggets, you know. You want some things that are not just, uh, okay, Carrie is this and it's that, and I've just an analysis of uh, how it 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 come inside the history of cinema and everything. Like you want something more emotional from the directors, you know. They oh, just yeah. put their guts on the table to do the, those movies, you know. Um, and and at one point, at least, like you know, it was, it it is difficult to do a movie, whatever the the easiness of the production would be, you know, uh, you you would feel like Mike Flanagan, you just go to Netflix and sell a movie, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's not that simple, you know, and and yeah. for everybody, like at one point, it become a baby, you know, your baby, mm-hmm. and you have to, to defend it with your, 
neon teeth, you know? Yep. And 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 that that's something we wanted to have from them, you know? Just not just an analysis of what is the Stephen King uh, uh, genre. He has almost his own genre, right? Oh, uh, absolutely. What is the Stephen King genre in the story of cinema and how it was? Uh, so we tried to assess like how the different formats also had different impact, like a, a miniseries or a series uh, compared to a movie. It's very different, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's very interesting to 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 address, but um, at the same time we didn't want something too too intellectual, because it was also supposed to be something that is accessible mm-hmm. to everybody, you know. So because if you don't know Stephen King, the reality is you may know know him, you know. Mm-hmm. You you may know what one of the films he he, he wrote, you know, or he wrote the the story. Um, and and yeah, most people didn't know like the Green Mile was Stephen King, the right. the Shawshank Redemption was Stephen King, that Stand by Me was Stephen King, like all of those like people they they know those movies like if you interest yourself a, a, a tiny bit in um, in cinema you know those movies and The Shining same you know I I discovered the The Shining I didn't I didn't knew who Stephen King were. I wow. didn't didn't care at the time, you know. Oh yeah. When I was a teenager, <laughs> I just watched The Shining by Kubrick. Didn't care who the author the author was. Uh, it's yeah. different from from Daphne because when she discovered Shining, it was from the book, and she ah. read the book when she was a teenager, and then she she saw the movie. <laughs> you know, everybody has his own approach uh, to to the Stephen King. Material, you know, mm. but I I didn't know that uh, Shawshank or Green Mile were Stephen King books before they became those cult movies, you know. Okay. And and most people don't either. And I think you know when when you are a fan, a Stephen King fan, you know, you would just think, okay, but that, that we know, like you know, yeah, okay, uh, King didn't like the The Shining, big deal. We know that for a long time. <laughs> Like you do maybe, but you're not alone mm. on this earth, you know. Right. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and 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 also because we wanted to to have this this we wanted to do it. It was very difficult for that reason as well. Like, how mm. do you please everybody? You can't. Yeah. Uh, but how how do you find the right balance between having a film accessible to people who are cinephiles, maybe you know, or at least have an interest in cinema mm-hmm. and the people who are hardcore fans of Stephen King. How do we please the bo- both of them, both of, both of the worlds? Um, you know, uh, I, I still am figure, figuring that out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I would say that you guys were very successful with that, specifically because of those, those nuggets of information about like, I, I was floored basically anytime Darabont spoke in the documentary <laughs> because I like in a way his work was kind of a tangential entryway for me to get into Stephen King because I saw like Shawshank when I was a kid and um and the Green Mile and and when I was a little bit older but but I knew Stephen King as a horror writer and to kind of see the the way that all the filmmakers kind of talk about the differences and and like there there's this there's this great anecdote that King said in like uh, I think an author's note in one of his books um 
where <laughs> where he was on a plane and um this this woman approached him and said like hey i you know i don't think you um I, I like I didn't like misery all that much because it was too dark and everything. You should make you should make you should write stories more like that Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> like it's really like night or maybe Stand by Me or something. But uh, just really fun like anecdotes like that. But um, but yeah, the, totally. yeah like that. <laughs> I know this difference. one. And Frank Darabont told us to to told this anecdote to us. Nice. It was very fun. It was very fun. <laughs> Nice. Um, the, and, and yeah, uh, let me, let me ask you this. What, what's your kind of relationship with Stephen King stuff? You said that you, um, were kind of introduced to his work through the Shining film. Um, and like, have you, are you a reader or have you seen his other, his other stuff? Like where, where do you land on the Stephen King kind of carousel? Um, so the, the, the I I'm not a hardcore fan by by any mm-hmm. means. Uh, I mean, like, of course, with the last past years, I developed uh, an expertise on, on the subject, some kind of expertise of at, at, at least, uh, and 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 love, of course, for for the material. Um, but I'm not a big reader. I mm-hmm. I've been a bit when I was a teenager, but never read a Stephen King books before I was adult, and. Um, and my my first encounter, in fact, with Stephen King was the miniseries It, oh, uh, nice. but I didn't know again who Stephen King was. I know yeah. I, I knew who Pennywise was, and he was in <laughs> lots of my nightmares, that for sure. But Stephen King didn't didn't care, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and after that, of course, when I was a teenager, I I saw Shining, but again, uh, I didn't know who, who was uh, the author beyond that, and didn't care. At all at that time, mm-hmm. uh, and you know maybe like everybody else, I've seen uh, uh, like the Green Mile and and um, and the Shawshank Redemption like uh, somewhere in my teenage years, um, and um, and yeah, and before that I didn't really know who Stephen King was, nice. and like I said, I've been working with Daphne for ten years, like mm-hmm. more than ten years, and. She is the one who really introduced me to Stephen King, and it was way longer before she decided to do this documentary. You know, and she talked about me, about about him, and saying like we were talking about authors uh, we both liked, mm-hmm. and uh, Stephen King came along, and and we were like, okay, uh, who's who Stephen King? Who, what what do he write, etc. And okay, the the uh, I mean I heard a little bit about Stephen King at the end of my teenage years because of Kingdom Kingdom Hospital. Because mm-hmm. my friend who introduced me it said to me, Oh, I'm I'm watching Kingdom of Hospital now. And it's it's been written by Stephen King, you know, the man who did it. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't want to see that, you know. <laughs> uh, at that time I wasn't so much in horror movies as well because mm-hmm. yeah, I was so frightened by the souvenir, you know, oh, yeah. of, of those uh, of those years, you know. Uh, and I I respond <laughs> a lot like, uh, to that when Mike Flanagan said he he was very terrified by the our movies you know in the documentary yeah. so I, I had that also uh, kind of feeling uh, I'm better now I, I I'm <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> that's good to hear uh, but uh, um, yeah so at, at that moment we we discussed uh, about all those movies and everything. 
you know, um, and 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 the books and and uh, what also what's the truth in in the Stephen King uh, work. And uh, I start reading novels um, and mostly uh, novelas, you know, uh, um, short stories, mm-hmm. because I, I, as I said, I'm not the guy who, who will uh, like uh, it. It to 600 pages in 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 three days. I'm oh, not yeah. that guy. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I, maybe uh, I will be one one day, mm. but I'm I'm uh, I'm not uh, yet there. Yeah. Um, I I but, will say yeah, yeah. I re- I rely almost solely on audiobooks because I can't like with with a massive book I can't just like flip through like a thousand pages. So I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah, I, I mean, like I work a lot, and mm. when I read, when I read is when I go to bed generally, mm. and I will just read one chapter, and the next morning I don't remember exactly what I read, <laughs> uh, you know. So I'm much more of a short books mm-hmm. guy, and if I don't read for one or two nights, it's it's over. You know? Yeah. So. Uh, you know, but I'm not a very good reader in that sense. I love to read. I I read a lot of other stuff and also mm-hmm. a lot of nonfiction. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. You know, um, but I enjoy very much like the the um, uh, the short stories and everything. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, uh, from the, the the discussions we had with. Uh, with Daphne and then with the directors and with mm-hmm. other fans, we we built a community. I, 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 like I said, I developed this kind of expertise nice. uh, of the Stephen King work, and I know the difference between some of the books and the and the films mm-hmm. and and everything, you know. So yeah, but um, uh, yeah, the, again, this is very interesting how we each have our own um, approach to Stephen King work. Oh, you know, yeah. some people never open a book and they still Stephen King fans because yep. they see the movies. So hardcore fans maybe will say or constant reader, you know, they will say, No, no go, you're not a fan. <laughs> you you don't you do not read. You know, whatever. <laughs> no, no shame here. No no judgment here. I I am of the thought that Stephen King's work, I like obviously Obviously, I I thinking extraordinarily highly of him as as someone who just gives the world all of these stories and everything. But I feel like there is just so much that you can gain from just experiencing Stephen King in any capacity. So I totally totally get that. Um, and I'll ask I'll I'll ask you this also in the process of of making the film and getting it getting it all together and everything was is there any specific Stephen King uh movie or story that you weren't aware of or you didn't have as as strong a knowledge of that the in the process of making the film it it piqued your interest and had you have you interested in checking out um i mean you know uh again it's been it's been more than ten years mm. now that I'm interested in Stephen King, uh, like indirectly at least. So yeah. I, I've seen a lot of movies in in the meanwhile, you know, before mm-hmm. uh, doing the 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 documentary. So I I you know I've seen Carrie and I've seen uh, like or seen again Shawshank Redemption and 
and and the green mile and the mist. Uh, those are some in uh, the shining. I I, I rewatched as a young adult those movies, and when we decided to do this this documentary, I watched I think every film we could find nice. uh, with Daphne. We just just rewatched every everything, you know. Um, let me think, because like a lot, a lot of them, I I've been recommended to see before even thinking about doing this documentary, like The Dead Zone as well, like Christine oh, yeah. as well, you know, that those movies like you cannot pass. But uh, as a cinephile, you cannot also miss them, you know. You oh, have yeah. to see The Dead Zone of Christine. Every cinephile has, has to see that, hmm. you know. And it's not really horror movies, like even Christine, right. which is like a bit. Like the killer car and then fire and everything, it's not that scary, you know. Mm. Um, it is really something else that appealed to me for this this film. I I, I really oh, like yeah. Christine. I mean, probably the one I didn't know that that much before, uh, and that I really really enjoyed more and more uh, is Crypto. Um, nice. Crypto is 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 amazing you know mm-hmm. it, it's it's just crazy it's funny and it's horrific and it's the it's a crazy funny horror you know mm-hmm. uh with a, a a pinch of of absurds you know and and yeah i really like this one but i'm i'm uh, i love uh christine uh i think like it's still nowadays one of the better uh, the best of 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 uh, them all, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think like the dark half also. I I really enjoyed nice. uh, Romero as well. Like this this one is not as much known, you know, but mm-hmm. I think it's very good. Like you know, uh, I I love the Longoliers as well, mm-hmm. uh, and in those two, like the yes. VFX, it's not the best, right? No, but the but... rest is amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, the the Langoliers hold such a special place in my heart too because like that that the novella itself is like like the concept of it is based is like clearly inspired by um a, a twilight zone episode from the original twilight zone series the twilight zone i i also have a podcast all about the twilight zone so like when i was reading the langoliers for the first time like a few years ago i was like this is just like the odyssey of flight 33 from the twilight zone and then he references it in the in the novellas like like one of the characters says, this is like the Odyssey of Flight 33. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> and then like watching the, watching the TV movie uh, for the Langoliers, yes, it is super cheesy, but it's like, it is just so of a time. And like the fact that minor spoiler alert, it like, it ends on like a freeze frame jump in the air <laughs> of the whole group. I'm just like, I am loving this so much. So, so yeah. So yeah, I just, I, yeah. I love the Langoliers. Yeah, I, I like this one and Sinner also from from Tom Holland as well. Mm. Like I, I love I love it. Uh, like, but there there are so much. There are so much. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite as well is the mist. Like the mist is oh, incredible yeah. because again, the effects not the best right. of the cinema. That's that's for sure. Like the but I like also the fi- like the style of mm. the plasticky kind of tentacles and everything. You know, oh, yeah. this, this is not right you know you feel this mm. is not real but it works in the movie you know you don't yep. care uh, it doesn't it, it didn't that that does the trick and again what's what's so great in the mist it's not the monsters mm-hmm. uh it's it's the humans yep trapped in that uh shopping center you know mm. and 
and having like this microcosm of a society in in such a small place and everybody is trapped and and see people like lose their minds yeah this is very interesting like the rest okay fair enough we we don't care about the vfx when the story (laughs) is that good you know absolutely that uh yeah the mist is obviously everyone talks about just the the ending you like in the film you guys like darabont talks about and you guys like talk about it in in the film as well just how the ending is so it is so memorable and it's something that is different from what king wrote and like it's it's so incredible like like it it is such a great example of a filmmaker taking material and like clearly being like obviously darabont and king are like they're they're pretty tight-knit they're 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 close and everything and just like understanding the text and then like and then executing it in such a such an amazing way is just it is incredible and like 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 you were saying earlier movies it's hard to get them made and everything like even um i'm still heartbroken that that Flanagan isn't able to make revival, which like that was a whole big thing that he was going to do, but it just, it just didn't come together. But like, it's like said, like, yeah, every movie is a miracle on, on some level. And like, I just love, and, and even, even the documentary itself with, with COVID and everything like that's, it's miraculous that you guys were able to (laughs) finish the, finish the project and everything. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, just to, to, to see so many and and hear so many voices from, like you said, different eras of King's career on screen is just, it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and yeah, we talked about that. Like you said that earlier, like Frank Dragbant is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was, uh, outcut, uh, you know, out to cut, his stories, of course, mm-hmm. uh, that's why we talk so much of, of, of the Green Mile, for example, like mm-hmm. so many good stories. And we had the chance to speak with Greg Nicotero as well. Yeah. Greg Nicotero is the director. He, he directed uh, the, the Crip Show, the new Crip Show yep. uh, TV series. But he also were a makeup artist on Misery, Shawshank, and the Green Mile. And I and had no idea. That kind of blew my mind when when uh, when that when that was referenced. Yeah. yeah, I was just like, wow. and, and he was on the set of Crip Show, uh, mm. the first Crip Show, and it was like uh, a big uh, a, a, um, close relationship with uh, with uh, George Romero, and he, he has been on all those movies. So of course, when we talk about the Green Mile, and we have Greg Nicotero, we're like, okay, uh, that was that. <laughs> you know, uh, you you did that, you know, yep. <laughs> um, and uh, and same same for misery. Like, uh, can you can you give some insights, uh, some yeah. ne- anecdotes, and then and yeah, we have these great edits and montage about him talking about when Annie Wikes uh, broke the the fit of uh, James Can, and yeah. this is uh, Paul Sheldon. You know, this is this is so good you know mm. and uh yeah having those stories those little nuggets like i said earlier is very interesting mm-hmm. um and and very cool you know and, and and very human we had a really human feeling with all those directors it was mm. so great you know because they were all very very nice with us but for for one example of that is um in the instruction when you arrive at the crib shop mm-hmm. so this is the the small store 
in the window there is a puppet this is there is a puppet which is the same as uh, the quick shop doll but in fact it's not only the same it's not a replica this is the quick shop doll that Nicotero sent to us in Maine <laughs> for us to be able to use it in the film. And he offered that. We didn't ask. He said, hey, because we explained what we wanted to do mm. with the introduction. And he said, hey, you know what? Uh, do, do you want the, the crypto doll? Because it, it was behind him during the interview. Yep. During the whole interview, there is the crypto doll behind him. And <laughs> you want it for... The, the introduction we said yeah of course that's incredible i i love that so much he seems like such a, he seems he seems really great and i loved his his stuff and have, have you happened to watch any of his creep show um on shutter um there are some there are some really great segments that that they've done and they just announced that i think the next season is coming out in this october and i'm just like i can't wait yeah yeah, I mean, you know, they, they used uh, different techniques. There is a, a, an episode with all animation and everything, yep. and I love animation. And it's it's so perfect for Crypto, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know, they tried a lot of new things. So, yeah, I guess oh, yeah. I, I, I guess it, it, it's worth a try for people who, who like the, 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 the Crypto and Crypto 2, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, that, uh, that Romero did. Yeah. yeah, and those movies were also, they were... <laughs> They were so. I I had only seen them somewhat recently when we were covering them for the podcast, and I I did not like. I didn't have like the knowledge that like oh this is like this is really steeped in like that EC comics that that aesthetic and having like having the kind of cartoon interstitials or the or the comic book uh aesthetic is just it's it's so perfect i i love it yeah and, and again it is a bit cheesy as well you oh know? yeah it's not it's it's not to take to be taken at first degree you know right you have to, to to step back a bit and to laugh about itself you know you know there is derision in that in that work absolutely uh, but that's what's very cool with it and you know i i watch again um goosebumps the tv series yep <laughs> you know, it's it's for children, right? Mm -hmm. For teenagers, at least, you know, or even teenagers, right? <laughs> like nowadays, they wouldn't even care for that, or mm -hmm. you know, maybe yeah. for children, you know. But it's 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 so bad, it's good, you know. Oh yeah, and, uh, and the stories are, are good. Like I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Stein uh, have good stories, of course, but oh, yeah. like the everything, you know, uh, the acting, everything is is a bit. Not good, but it's sure. good because it is, you know? And just because what it brings, you know, this, like, 1880s vibe, you know, mm -hmm. something like that. It was, it, it's maybe uh, even more old than that. I, I don't even know. But it's, it's uh, you know, there is the, this vibe. And, and that's something I'm, I'm looking forward in the films, like, mm -hmm. in general. Like I like this, I like this feeling when I'm watching. I, I, I mean, I can watch a, a very modern film with great VFX or a lot of action and everything, and enjoy it as mm -hmm. much as I can watch a, a black and white movie uh, with no dialogues because it's mute and enjoy it as well. And and what's in between, I can also enjoy it, you know. Yeah. And just I take a step back and I say, okay, this is not something we would release now because it would be very weird <laughs> right but what would be the the news that you know 
this could be interesting. You know, what what okay. could we do if we took that format, for example? Uh, I was wondering that, like, could we do a, some kind of a TV miniseries of of uh, of small stories like that for teenagers uh, that would work very well without being true horror, you know, mm. true, pure horror, really child stories. Oh, I, yeah. I'm wondering, I'm, I think that could be great. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting too, that you brought up goosebumps because like that for, for me and for a lot of like Stephen King fans and everything, I feel like of like, of like that specific generation, I kind of feel like R.L. Stein was like, the 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 first step towards Stephen King fandom, <laughs> like it just opened the doors for us. Um, yeah, maybe I, yeah. I, I read I read uh, Goosebumps when mm. I was a kid. You know, nice. uh, I didn't read uh, Stephen King, but you know, I mm. didn't know who oh, yeah. Ar- Ar- Stein was either. You know, <laughs> I read two of his books, and I was I I knew it was uh, Cher de Poule in France. You know, Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. You know, goosebumps. <laughs> uh, the, the the translation was called Cher de Poule, You know, and we nice. just read this series of books. You know, mm-hmm. of books. But, you know, when you're a kid, you don't you don't really pay atten- that much attention to the name of the author. Not right. not everybody does actually. Like some some do probably, mm-hmm. but I I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I was just focused on the stories. You know. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and yeah, and was frightened as well. Yeah, <laughs> reading reading those stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and those stories are what just stick with you. Like you, you can have all of the, you know, all of the trivia and everything about the, who writes it and who makes it and everything, but it's really the stories that just stick with you. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So I know that we're kind of we're kind of getting close to our time a little bit, but um, I did want to. All right, great. I wanted to I wanted to touch on real quick. Um what the experience was like taking King on screen to, to on, like on the festival circuit. I know it played at fantastic fest. Um, how did, how did that experience go and how, how was that in, in terms of like showcasing, basically showcasing the, the baby to the world? <laughs> like how did, how did all of that go? What was that experience like? Um, yeah. Fantastic fest was fantastic. <laughs> and not in, <laughs> In, in the two ways, it, you know, uh, yeah, it, it was it was great. Uh, it was the first time we show it uh, to a real audience, you know, nice. uh, and it, it it was great because, you know, you feel like the, the, the audience is very responsive to what we've done, you know, and uh, we had several people coming at the end of the film, talking to us and said, "Oh, this anecdote—it it remembers, it, it reminds me on, on of that, you know." And this anecdote yes. is, "Oh, and that film that I'm so happy you talked about it and uh, and everything, you know." You cannot do the, this movie and please everybody, like I said. Right. But uh, most people are, are happy with it, you know, and and right. find like uh, the director of the festival or some or the creator, or, I don't remember exactly his position, but he came mm-hmm. to us and said. Um, you know, I was on the set of the Green Mile when Mike, Michael Clark Duncan was waiting for that call from the, the Rabbans. Oh wow! He had just uh, he had the he read for the for the role and he was waiting to be called back. And <laughs> uh, and he said, I, I I cried when I when I saw this anecdote because like yeah, nice. it was seeing the other side of the mirror and at the same time. Like talking about uh, Michael Clark Duncan is really emotional for a lot of people and a lot of fans oh, as yeah. well. Um, 
So of course, you know, um, uh, and and yeah, uh, and also I'm sad that the um, finishing of the film has been a real pain. <laughs> it, it's been very very difficult, mm -hmm. you know, going to the finish line and just seeing it on the screen and saying, okay, this is over with quotes, quote unquote, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, now. Uh, it, it, it is great. It is a great feeling. Uh, but it was a year ago almost. And, and in fact, uh, it wasn't quite the end because we had a lot of other things to do. And also mm -hmm. what I'm very appreciative uh, for is like all the big festivals in the world, like the big genre festivals mm -hmm. wanted the movie. That That's so great. That's nice. so great. You know, it's thrilling. It's, it's uh, gratifying and everything. And also being able to have a theater release in, in the US mm -hmm. and Canada was was great like it's a rim, it's a limited release right but it's still very very cool and it's it's more of a miracle when the film which is already a miracle mm -hmm. uh is released on the big screens oh, um yeah. because yeah uh, this is this is rare and this is uh this is valuable for for uh um especially for documentary for all indie films in general mm -hmm. you know and uh, yeah, this is a, a great chance, and I'm very happy with that as well. And I mean, um, yeah, having having the press also very excited by the film. Like we we had like uh, articles on on big medias, you know. Nice. Uh, I just want to remind, like this is a very sh small project. I, mm -hmm. I almost did it uh, with Daphne alone. You know, we were like two most of the time. And, and of course, we had people, we uh, managed to bring fundings, we built a community to help us, and this, is, this, were, this was very motivating, you know? Um, but the, the real work we had to do by ourselves, yeah. most, most of it, most of it. So, you know, uh, it's a very lonely, lonely uh, trip to, to do a journey, you know? Lonely yeah. journey to, to do... Um, a film like that when you don't have a lot of funds and don't, you know, so yeah, uh, it's very get gratifying to see it uh, now almost everywhere. Yeah, that it, it, in kind of speaking about like independent productions and everything, that is an avenue of filmmaking that I I feel like I feel like mass audiences like people who aren't like cinephiles and everything, I don't think they. I don't think that there is a general understanding of just how how hard it is to get to get everything going to to do something independently and be passionate about it and that's something that I just find so much admiration for 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 people making making art independently and especially when it comes to like documentaries because I'm I'm of the thought like I'm of the mind that if I were to be faced with like a documentary production like that, like you said, you guys have like hours and hours and hours and hours of content. I would just be just, I would just be so overwhelmed with like how to cut it, how, like what's the narrative and everything. And so I just have a ton of respect for documentary filmmakers and, and being able to put together something that is, that is as special and as, as loving to just a, both a specific fandom and 
just the general appreciate appreciating audiences of film um is just is something that's really remarkable so i don't really have a question with that just that hey that's fantastic i can can answer anyway (laughs) (laughs) i can answer anyway like daphne did most of the work and Mm -hmm. she does on most of the films we collaborate on uh she has this this capacity of uh, condensing the, the material and to have a like a big big uh workhouse power you know like mm-hmm. she 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 she's amazing for that and she transcripted every interview by herself like oh, she wow. listened to the interview and she typed you know nice. and um and after this process she goes through all the interviews with a highlighter you know and she highlights what pops for her, for her you know and like that probably we had at, at the end of this process something like five to six hours of content that we wow. knew could be in the documentary um so so after that you have to find two things like what do you keep and in what order do you put it mm-hmm. And we had this big, um, like, was um, a blackboard, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a whiteboard, actually, but, you know, the same. Uh, mm-hmm. And we just add columns like that and say, okay, what do we start with? Uh, and, and try to make connections with, with things. And finding our connections was something of the first things to, to do with this film. Uh, because, again... We, we didn't want to have a really chronological mm-hmm. uh, structure because it didn't make that much sense. Right. And we knew that we wanted to dig the topics, the, the themes that make Stephen King, not just say, oh, okay, Carrie, it was 76, was by Brian Mann, was like Carrie, uh, she, she is bullied and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, my wiki, like uh, open Wikipedia and you will know that, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, we, 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 Oh, oh, if you want something very, very in-depth about each film, like buy a book. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of good books about the Stephen King adaptations that are oh, yeah. very, very well done and that, that go uh, in, in depth of everything uh, about, about those films. So we wanted to have something more emotional, like something, a real connection with the directors, like something we felt when mm-hmm. we interviewed them. So having this humanity they have with us and having this like feeling of a discussion, you know, we are discussing like that and we, we just talked goosebumps uh, a few minutes ago. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make <laughs> sense in a, in a structural discussion that we would have, you know. So we wanted to have that, like we, we didn't shy about like sometimes, okay, um, um, Josh Boone at one point he said, when we are talking about Stand By Me, he said, when I think about Stephen King adaptations, I think about Stand By Me and Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. What, what, what brings them together? Nothing. But in the film, sure. it works, you know, because he said that and he said that. He said, Stand By Me and Shawshank Redemption in the, in the, in the same sentence, we'll use that, you know? Because again, yeah. when we have a discussion, oh, it makes me think about, about that as well. And that's what we wanted to, to achieve. So, it, it's weird for some people. <laughs> I know some, some people don't understand the structure, but I think there is a red path uh, all along the film. Like everything oh, yeah. is connected. You cannot just pull, pull, pull a part of the film and, and have it work the same. It, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't work that right. way. So it, it's all connected. 
and also you know um uh so so that that was one thing and and the, the, the other thing it was of course having those topics that we wanted to discuss like um the thing uh the family units mm-hmm. like this is a big topic in in Stephen King uh, universe and it, we have also to discuss what film we would use to highlight this and uh we we chose uh 1922 and mm-hmm. and uh and, and the shining but we could have used carrie as well and oh, we yeah. could have used it as well and we could have used almost every stephen king stories because they are like some parts of those elements in each of his books if we want to talk about strong female characters there are like annie wakes and 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 Dolores Claiborne who are both um interpreted by by Kathy Bates mm-hmm. and we could have chosen to push forward with uh Jesse we we uh, talk a little bit about that yeah. uh, but Harry is also a big important female character and and but we we couldn't like connect everything at the same time we couldn't be exhaustive about that so we had to to accept that you know mm-hmm. just to 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 let us okay remind ourselves this is a discussion we cannot cover everything we speak for two hours and we try to provide the best experience possible and and try to have this feeling like a, a warm discussion with the directors who adapted Stephen King and 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 that's something in some way trying to bring back the humanity we we felt when we were discussing with those people and try to condense it in less than two hours um yeah. And 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 yeah, this is this is, you know, this is a very interesting process, and this is a very like yeah, uh, it's it's it can be hard sometimes, you know, because like <laughs> yeah. at one point, uh, like I said, forty hours of interviews, uh, all these connections to make, and say okay, this is this is working, this is less working, but we know like this part with uh, with misery when uh, when uh, Greg he. he tell this anecdote is very interesting mm. and how do we find the balance between anecdotes because there are a lot mm-hmm. but they are like small nuggets like i said and 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 more in-depth analysis of uh what is like the place of the female characters in 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 stephen king and and also we have to do with what we had so of course christine would have deserved a better chapter in the film um if John Carpenter hear me, you should have participated <laughs> in this movie because it would have been great to have you. And same with David Cronenberg and mm-hmm. same with Rob Reiner and mm-hmm. same with Brian De Palma and same, excuse me, but for Marie Lambert, who is very lacking in the film, uh, she she didn't want to participate. In oh, that's a shame. So, so, yeah, I think, you know, you also have to to, to work with what you have, you mm-hmm. know, and, and be true to what you want to do. Uh um, Daphne, she she knew that she wanted to have the directors speaking about Stephen King because mm-hmm. it was an interesting point of view on Stephen King. It wasn't to be exhaustive on adaptations. It wasn't. It was also to offer their perspective. And whatever, if it is an analysis, a, a true analysis, or objective, it's not objective. It's people who adapted Stephen King who made. Stephen King's their own, you know. So all of this is 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 yeah, 
choices. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and it it comes through. It comes through perfectly. Like I was gonna ask, what like one filmmaker were you kind of heartbroken not to have involved in the in the film? Um, like if there was one that you could that you wished that you could have gotten uh, in the room, like would like if you could just pick one, who would it be? Um, I think honestly, I would say Andy and Barbara and Barbara mm. Muschietti. We wanted yeah. really bad to have them uh, and we thought it was very a shame that they couldn't uh, mm. they said they wanted to participate but they were on another production and it wasn't possible yeah. um, apparently uh, of course like the one I, I, I just said like uh, the mm -hmm. Palma Carpenter, Cronenberg Reiner and Lambert mm. those are five giants that are lacking in the film I guess you know or not but they are not here. Like if they were in the film, the film would have been very different, mm -hmm. and maybe we, we would have done very different choices. You know, because at that point, when you have like uh, those big adaptations, it would have been very different in terms of rhythm mm -hmm. and in terms of constructing the movie. Because we, you know, I don't know what would have happened. You know, um, mm -hmm. and same with Andy Muschietti. We speak a bit about it, but we mm -hmm. would have like go further in what it means, you know? Yeah. A lot of those and, big productions like that are like, those are full documentaries in and of themselves. So I can totally understand that. Yeah. You yeah. could, you could just do a documentary about it. Like th mm -hmm. there is one, like, and it's yeah. only on the miniseries, you know? <laughs> yep. So, and, 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 and I'm sure it's 90 minutes and it's mm -hmm. very interesting from the, I, I didn't see it for you. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> uh, but, but I heard it, it is very good and, and I'm not surprised and it is very interesting mm -hmm. and I'm not surprised, Yep. <laughs> you know, um, and, and this is one documentary. We didn't want to make a making of. Uh, mm. But of course, we wanted to have uh, BTS sequences, yeah. and we wanted to have BTS anecdotes, mm -hmm. and we wanted also to have an analysis, small or more in depth, depends of, on how people receive it. But about Stephen King's work, and 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 I I really love when we speak with David Carson. He, he did the remake, one remake of Carrie. Like yeah. it wasn't even a remake; it was a, the series. You know, mm -hmm. um, he, he, he speak about how the others are depicted in Stephen King's mm -hmm. uh, work. And that I, I, I thought was fascinating, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, see, oh, yeah. It's, it's all about how we treat each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And, it, hey, yeah, you know, this guy has a point, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. And, of course, we cannot discuss all the, the adaptations in the film, and, and that's, that's, that's a shame. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we couldn't go in depth on... Uh, David Carson's version of Carrie because mm -hmm. it wouldn't have made sense at that time. Like people were like, okay, you dig really far Carrie. What, how will you do that with 80 or 100 adaptations? It's not right. possible, right? Yep. Um, but the thing is, the thing which is very cool is I love uh, to use documentary in different formats. Mm -hmm. So what I thought about was to we would do the movie as well as we, as we could with like, you know, its own cinematographic object. And we will use the, the, the rest of the content in other formats. 
So for example, there are like uh, cutting room floor in the in the, the Blu-ray. So small anecdotes, like there are like, I think something like probably an extra half an hour of small anecdotes like this well, from almost everybody. And also Excellent. we want to uh, publish a book with Ooh. the interviews. And who knows, maybe we could find uh, other other people to, to have an interview in the book that are not featured in the movie because like there, are, there have been other other adaptations in the meanwhile and and yeah and so this is something we we are planning for la next year oh, we'll that see. Would... hopefully it will nice. it will be possible soon mm -hmm. uh, but that's something we really want to do you know to kind of have, have this transmedia uh kind of experience you know mm. and not just like having all this content and just leave it in a drawer that would be a shame it, you know totally uh, i think we agree. should share that and we should share it also not as a as a podcast really you know mm -hmm. but it could have been possible but it wouldn't have made that much sense mm -hmm. um but try like what's better than a book to speak about stephen king's oh know? Absolutely. Like, like I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted by that. Like, I, please do that. <laughs> like, I really hope that that comes together. Like earlier in, uh, earlier tonight when you were, uh, saying that you had all of this footage and everything, um, and you don't know what to do with it. I was just like, you have my email address. You can just slide those in there. <laughs> I will gladly watch every frame that you guys shot for this. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I guess from the beginning, I, I, I thought about that because mm -hmm. um, uh, a previous film we, we've done was um, a film about the, the, the Deauville Film Festival in France, uh, which is an American film festival and uh, which is focused uh, in part on independent cinema. Like the competition nice. is all independent cinema, American cinema. Right. Oh. And, and we, did, we did this this documentary. It was very, very interesting. And we had the chance to speak with uh, people like Michael Douglas or Claude Lelouch or uh, independent producer uh, like Christine Vachon and 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 and, and a lot of, of people Ira Sachs uh, director oh, nice. with a French director and it's all French and, and and American people talking about this French festival which is the the window on independent film uh, in in the US in France you know and um, and in we had like 20, 20 interviews and mm. at the end of the of the production the film was like 75 minutes something like that and uh, for 20 hours of interviews <laughs> or, or, or almost you know like wow. 18 maybe um, and we were like hmm this is this is very very frustrating you know mm -hmm. not being able to share what we had because let me say that like when you meet with a director and speak mm -hmm. with him for an hour this is like a private masterclass, mm -hmm. like really and i was a bit frustrated with that and when we decided to go um the past we we've done with stephen king uh meaning um interviewing all those directors early on in the process i said okay we need to do something with the material because i don't want mm -hmm. to take one or two hours to people and just say, okay, you will be three minutes in the film. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, 
And yeah, you know, sometimes you have to, to go that way, but mm -hmm. we have so many options today to use this content in different um, format that mm -hmm. we, we should do it. And especially in documentaries uh, where there is one cinematographic object, which is the film in itself. Mm -hmm. And even that film can be split in two parts when there is advertisement in the middle or can uh, uh, be like trimmed because this channel wants only 60 minutes films and, and this channel wants 70 and this channel wants 19, 90, you know, you, know, you never know. And, and mm -hmm. you don't have the power to, to stop that. Like it's not a fiction, especially when it's not a fiction, you know, yeah. uh, like it's documentaries. And if you want to sell your movie, you have, you have just to be okay. That's fine. Do whatever you want, you yeah. know, uh, because you want the film to be seen, to be sold. Um, but um, there is this cinematographic object, but this is not the only thing your documentary is me made of. And mm -hmm. as I always say uh, about documentary, the experience is as important as the results. Because when, again, when we shot um, the introduction, we went to Maine. Because mm -hmm. it made sense in the documentary approach, it 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 wasn't uh, a production choice uh, for the money because it was more expensive, more difficult because because there is almost no industry there. Mm -hmm. So it was really a documentary approach to do that, and also an homage, you know, for, uh, obviously. Oh, yeah. um, but again, um, trying to use the content and what we we do and everything in other. Um, uh, medium uh, it, it's interesting and we've done a lot of goodies as well with artists we tried to have like several approach to to the to the uh, to the art of Stephen King and what he he bring as a, an imagery in our minds you mm -hmm. know um, and so we have stickers we have bookmarks we have those those, those things you know uh, so, yeah, and we had this community and the community was a big part also of the production. You know, we had this Facebook group with like 2000 people on it. Yeah. And we were like trying to to keep people uh, up to the news, you know, about mm -hmm. the film. And it wasn't always uh, easy, you know, but sure, I can say that those people or community, they were like the biggest support we ever had in any nice. project. And it, it's been possible because of them, uh, of course. Mm -hmm. That's that's fantastic to hear. There's no, like in terms of just uh, fandom, like Stephen King has been working for decades and like, like I kind of feel like there is this just kinship with like Stephen King fans that, you know, even though his career has spanned so many different corners of st storytelling and he's explored so many different things in his art and people have adapted it in so many different ways and everything. There's always like, there's always a, at the core, like, yeah, Stephen King is Stephen King and we love Stephen King. So like, that's kind of just the, uh, that that's kind of a, a through line throughout all of the, the fans that I, uh, that I've found. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay, well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do want to just kind of give you a chance to uh, share like where people can find King on screen, online, uh, social media, and where they can find more of your work online as well um, it, on, on uh, social media. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm not that much of a social media user, you yeah. know, but you can <laughs> you can find like me I am on Facebook when I am on the social media. Mm -hmm. You can probably find me on Twitter as well, uh, but I I'm not a big tweet guy, you know. Sure. You can send me a message and maybe <laughs> I will see it in 2 weeks when I will connect to 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 Twitter, <laughs> you know. Um so don't worry. <laughs> um but you can you can still find me on, on Facebook and also like there is this Facebook group I just mentioned, mm -hmm. uh which is like King on Screen, the documentary uh official group or something like that, I don't know. Nice. Which may um change its name to be more of a style and uh to allow people to follow our next adventures. Uh nice. we have uh, uh, a few films uh that will be very exciting uh, soon, and um, uh, yeah, mostly mostly that. Like you know, same. I, I you should be able to find King on Screen on Instagram and mm -hmm. and Les Films de la Plage, which is my my production company on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But I'm not a big user, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah, um, and yeah, Facebook is maybe the the, the better the best place. Like Les Films de la Plage. Mm -hmm. This is my like. I'm sorry for for. You English speakers, <laughs> this is this is a hard one, uh, but I guess the, it will be in some of the description you have in your. Oh, absolutely, uh, and no problem at all. <laughs> um, maybe the Facebook page of that, and for King on Screen, if you are, if you want more more infos, it's a dark star as well. So I nice. think they have like uh, pages on everywhere, like uh, Insta and 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 Twitter. They they would be better than me and that. Uh, and they Excellent. will communicate about uh, King on Screen because they are the distributor, mm -hmm. and uh, so they for the U.S. at least the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. So they will they will be able to share uh, more info about King on Screen, and um, yeah, um, yeah, keep 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 uh, yeah, keep posted. I don't know where <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the book will be announced. I don't know mm -hmm. what, how it will work. Everything you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm thinking about being uh, more like you know present. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, I'll I'll put all the links in the show notes of this episode as well and everything. And um, Sebastian, I just want to say thank you once again for for your time and just for chatting with me about this. I'm I'm a big fan of it, and just congratulations to you and Daphne and all of the team. Uh, who who put this together? It's just such a a beautiful love letter to to Stephen King and an insightful view at the adapt uh, adapt adapting process and everything. So mm. it's just it's such a gift, and uh, I'm so I'm so gracious that or I'm so so pleased that you were so gracious with your time tonight. Um, yeah. So uh, you'll find links to all that in the show notes of, of the episode as well. Uh, Sebastian, once again, just thank you so much. And I can't wait to see what you guys do next. Um, it's it's yeah, lo lovely yeah. meeting you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And that is the episode. Um, I just want to say once again, thank you so much to Sebastian for uh, for taking the time to chat with me about the film and about Stephen King and all of the topics we covered. It was such a blast. And I'm looking forward to seeing what what they what he and the director Daphne what what that whole team does 
uh, next. It is. It was such a treat to get to chat with him about it. Once again, you can find um, links to all of the information, uh, everything we discussed and everything in the show notes of the episode. Um, so check your podcast apps or just check the website, towerjunkiespod.com. Uh, next time on the podcast, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to be doing. We do need to finish up the gunslinger. Obviously, uh, we'll be doing that soon. One of the reasons why tiny was not available, uh, tonight is he's actually seeing, uh, uh, close encounters of the third kind, um, <laughs> in the, in the movie theater, uh, at the state museum here in Indy, uh, with his dad. So hopefully he's enjoying, enjoying the, that experience. I know it's one of his favorites. Um, so Anyway, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get back to our gunslinger stuff, and uh, and I need to get in touch with Kim C and have her on for Mister Harrigan's phone. But in the meantime, check out Patreon and go to Patreon.com/slash/obsessiveviewer. Tons more stuff uh, there as well. So I'm gonna start playing myself out uh, once again. Thank you so much to Sebastian Cruz for for chatting with me tonight about King on Screen, and uh, it was such a pleasure. And I can't wait for people to see the documentary because it is a real treat. It is such it is such a blast. So check that out, and yeah, and check out the other shows. Obviously, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights, and may you have twice the number. And now, enjoy this short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV book and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon poopery episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. And then as... As we just follow Marty throughout his day, we learn that there has been tons and tons of natural disasters, wars, famine, plagues, any number of just disastrous end-of-world scenarios have played out, including the complete destruction of half of the state of California. And this just plays out in this in this very calm sort of demeanor as we're learning about this stuff from people who have lived this um, for who knows how long, however long Chuck has been, you know, ill. Um, And as we're kind of brought into it, it is this, it's presented to us in this just malaise throughout everyone that he interacts with. There is just this, this common refrain that's like, yeah, well, this sucks. And it's something that is very deliberate because... This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.